listening to the Simply 127 podcast, an entire podcast devoted to all things James 127. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Fintress, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. Hey guys, this is Sarah Beth with the Simply 127 podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I have my friend Peter Abungu with me today. And if you missed his interview, it will be the one that was just before this. So uh, I strongly encourage you to push pause, go listen, hear his story, what God is doing in his life and how God um, just started working in his life at a young age. Um, But we do want to take some time through the Simply 127 podcast and talk about more topical things uh, every once in a while. And so today's topic is working with local leaders. And so that's something that 127 Worldwide really um, kind of hangs its hat on. The rest of the ministry functions around this idea of working with local people who are, they have a passion and a calling to minister to people in their community. Um, And honestly, that's not super common in ministry. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, like maybe some hesitations that Americans might have working with locals some hesitations local leaders might have working with Americans. And so we're going to probably open open up several cans of worms, and then hopefully we'll find a place to land um, that feels right for everyone. So just a kind of a preface before we get started, we are going to speak in generalization. So this is in no way, you know, saying all Americans are like this or all local leaders are are like that. So just want to kind of make that caveat first. Um, I just want to briefly talk about why people are afraid or hesitant to work with locals and at the same time say I'm pro-American missionaries. I'm not against people going (laughs) to um, live somewhere long term. If God's calling you to sell everything and and go across the ocean to minister to the nations, by all means, I'm going to encourage you to do that particularly working with vulnerable communities with orphans and widows. I feel like the the best way to do that is working through established um, high capacity local leaders who have a, a gifting and a passion and a calling to do what God's called them to do. Um, so I just kind of wanted to start there. So Peter, thanks for joining us today. And again, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here today. Yeah, so we'll start with the positives. I just I would love for you to talk a little bit about the advantages you've seen from short-term visitors coming to to visit Swahiba, and particularly the ministry that you're doing. What why should we come and see what's happening at Swahiba? Uh, uh, for me, I personally believe that people need to come and serve not just at Swahiba but across the globe because it is the Great Commission. Jesus said, commanded us to go. Um, if you it's a strong felt, argument. <laughs> if you'd have felt that it was better for us to give, you would have said, I command you to give. But he commanded us to go. So uh, in walking in obedience to, to our, our Lord Jesus' uh, command, uh, it would be prudent for us to uh, pack our bags and leave. Now, some of us leave for uh, a shorter period of time because of dynamics of life, and others are privileged and blessed to be able to go for longer periods of time. And uh, I do advocate for both. Uh, personally, 
uh, I, I, count, I encountered Christ by extension because my dad was led uh, to the Lord by a, uh, by a missionary on the streets of Kampala many, many years ago. So, um, so there is, there's value to that. And, um, and I've also encountered people who have come uh, for short-term missions who, have, who had never thought that they would be involved with um, uh, missions overseas on a long-term basis, but by coming for a, a short period of time and, uh, and wetting their feet and getting that experience and really encountering God in, in, into the mission field becomes like a launching pad uh, for what God wants them to do. Again, when people do engage in in shorter missions, uh, there is something about uh, the presence, the you know uh, the ministry of presence, where you uh, encounter the people, you break bread together, you you look them in the face, you hug them, you hear their stories, you see the tears flowing uh, on their faces, you hug them, you 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 pray with them, you you feel um, uh, what what they are feeling, you see where they are living. And, and there's something that that uh, that captures your heart so that when you go on your knees wherever you are and begin to petition um, uh, the heart of God on behalf of those people uh, the depth of of your of, of your petitioning uh, before the Lord is very different as opposed to one who has uh, only read the story in a book or in a magazine or, or, or in a mission report that's good that's good um are there other things? I know we have talked about um, people are more invested the, if they come more and more times. So people have been to Swahiba two or three times. What are some differences you see in their involvement opposed to, you know, maybe someone who came five years ago and you haven't heard from them since then? Uh, most people who, who have given to us and have remained faithful in terms of supporting the work of people who have come to the ground. They're, they came, whether it was for a week or two or three or a month, and they engaged with us, they served alongside of us, they, they ministered alongside of us, and, uh, and God just gripped their heart for what, for what was happening uh, through our ministry. And they have, they have stayed faithful to support uh, through prayer, through advocacy, and through their resources. I'm going to use an American term we say is ignorance on fire. <laughs> so um, this idea, and again, not that God never calls people to do this, but there's been this um, tendency in working with orphans and widows and vulnerable people. Someone, um, their heart is burdened. They just want to help. They don't really know a lot about the culture, the language, the experience of um, inter- the people that they're they're wanting to serve internationally. They just pack their bags, they move, they want to go build a big orphanage and, um, and help all the kids that they can find on the streets. <laughs> what would be some things that you would, let's just use me for an example. Why would you discourage me from packing my bags, moving to Kenya and just doing ministry on my own in Kibera? Uh, I, would, I would discourage you because even in Kibera, there are people that God has, has, uh, has placed in those places to serve. And those people are better placed in terms of um, overcoming the language barrier, the cultural barrier. Um, and I hate to say it, but even um, uh, just the, the skin barrier. Uh, when I walk into Kibera and I, I go into a church or into a home, people don't stop to look at me. But when... when uh, they because, expect to yeah, see you there. They expect to see me. But when you walk uh, into on the streets of, of, uh, of Kibera and walk into someone's home, 
people stop to look at you. And and that in itself becomes becomes a barrier if the expectation of your skin color uh, spells something different. So if I show up with my Bible and I go into someone's home, the only thing they expect is the gospel. When you show up and go into someone's home in Kibera, they expect more than just the gospel. <laughs> and so there are some there are some uh, there are some uh, uh, pitfalls that that comes with that. Um, it's going it's, if you if you packed your bags and you came and lived in Kenya would be which would be great Sarah Beth um I'll consider uh, it there there might be a few challenges on your part uh it might take you several months to be able to if, uh speak the language uh there are 43 languages in Kenya so good luck with that uh and then um above that there are also cultural differences just to be able to understand the culture to uh why do people behave the way they behave why do they say the things they are saying um all those dynamics are just part of the fabric of the people who have lived there that would understand it a lot better and be able to permeate and cut through that to get to the bottom, which is sharing the gospel. So yes, you can come and serve alongside the leaders, but it is always better to empower the local leaders to allow mm-hmm. them to do what God has called them to do within their community. Uh, another thing that I think it is, it is, um, it is, uh, uh, it's of value to consider is that local leaders are not going to leave. You might, you might come and serve there maybe for even 10 years or even for 30 years, but eventually you will pack your bags and go home. But local leaders are planted there for life. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is some, and that's something that needs to be, needs to be considered in the process of, of engaging local leaders. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but we've talked this week about how now you're engaging local Kenyans to minister in Swahi- you know, with Swahiba and what you're doing. Can you talk a little bit about that cultural shift of not just expecting um, all of your funding is going to come from the outside or, you know, as a, as a local leader, you're encouraging other locals to, um, to join in with what you're doing? Yes, that is something that we have to uh, cultivate within our culture um, because in, in, in our culture, people uh, limit their thinking that once they've gone to church and they've given... Uh, they they paid their tithes and given their offering, and they've picked up an orphan within their family uh, uh, circles, and send that orphan to school. Then they've done their bit. Most people don't feel uh, don't feel called to go beyond uh, giving to other ministries that are also serving the body of Christ. And that is something that we need to change. Uh, Jesus said that uh, you cannot put new wine in an old wine skin, um, because if you do that, you will destroy the wine skin. And, uh, and you lose the wine as well. So you put new wine in your wine skin so that you preserve them both. I think we have to raise a generation that, uh, that thinks very differently, that engages very differently. And I see hope um, in, in that happening, but it's going to take time. I really hope you're loving this conversation between Peter and I. As I was thinking about starting the Simply 127 podcast, I wanted to create conversations that other people weren't having. And I think the next few minutes are going to serve that purpose well. Um, I asked Peter some hard questions, some answers that I'm guessing are not super popular to hear on American podcasts. But listen in as he talks about what frustrates him about working with Americans cross-culturally and what he thinks some of the root causes of our differences in communication might be as we strive to work together. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. This is something else we've talked about this week. And 
I want to have probably a separate episode about this guilt, shame culture. We've talked about the differences. So I would love just maybe even talking about our relationship or the 127 Worldwide relationship with Swahiba, how that's coming um, to play with maybe culturally you um, not wanting to say no or not wanting to disappoint. Um, there have actually, we can put some things in the show notes. There are some great articles and even books about this, the difference in how you would react to an, an incident versus me and how we need to appreciate those differences that my way is not better than yours. So I don't know if you can think of an example off the top of your head. Um, about along those same lines about maybe you would, you know, five years ago, you would have hesitated to tell me no, but now we've kind of built the relationship where um, you feel more comfortable with that. Yes. Um, within our culture, we are, we are, we are trained to obey without asking questions. Uh, in your culture, uh, you are trained to critically think and be independent. And that permits um, not only in your childhood, but also in your adulthood and how you respond to someone who is, uh, who is either senior, older, or is in what we would call a higher uh, position than yourself. So naturally, if someone who is older than you or someone who is senior than you ask you to do something, you would do it whether you don't want to do it. Uh, or whether you whether you want to do it or not, you you will feel obligated to do it because it's it's something. It, it's not just about how you feel; it's about uh, honoring that person and um, and 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 trying to fulfill something that is beyond yourself. And so, uh, uh, so that actually does have its strengths and weaknesses. Uh, a classic example is um, if if uh, back home, maybe fifteen or twenty years ago, if an elder person was to stop me on the street and ask me for direction it is it would be it would be better for me to to just guess some direction and give them and say you know take a left and go 10 minutes and take another right and uh, even right if it's the there. wrong direction even if it's the wrong direction because you want to give them something you don't want to say you don't know and you you can't say you can't help um, and those are some of the things that are, are very critical in, t in terms of uh, trying to wade through the cultural um, uh, barriers because uh, at that point, um, even though that person has actually, um, in his heart, he feels he's helped that person because he's given them a solution. It is not. Uh, they, have, uh, they have greatly lied to that person. They're going to waste their time. That person might be completely lost. And he might never go to where he wants to go, and his time is will be wasted. Uh, this is so important. I feel like so many short-term missionaries don't understand the cultural differences, and then they get they arrive somewhere and wonder why aren't people thinking like me and acting like me. And uh, this this wasn't a planned question either. But can you think of? I feel like we have an eight-year-long relationship now, and how we've kind of grown through some of that, even some hard conversations. Like, what would you say to? Um, kind of our relationship and figuring things out as we go. Like we're in this for the long haul. We're going to stick together. Um, I don't know if you, if you can think of anything to kind of add to that. Yeah. Um, I think in on the initial stages, you, for, for us, and I'm, I'm grateful that I've had great partners such as uh, 127 Worldwide and in, in the person of Sarah Beth, where uh, she's allowed us to um, grow out of that mold of um, of helping us understand that it's okay 
uh, to say no to something that you you don't want to do, even 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 though uh, you feel like uh, once you're asked about uh, being in a favor, you want to engage with it because you want to honor that person. So we've grown to a place where we feel, um, or particularly I feel that I can actually say no uh, to um, uh, to a partner and say we don't want to go that direction. We want to go this direction and and be able to give our 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 reasons or um or make make a good um uh, make a good uh, argument for that without feeling that we will offend or lose favor mm-hmm. yes that's good while we're talking about that this is your chance to speak freely speaking to obviously most of the audience listening to this are americans what are some frustrations that you've had in your 17 years of working with americans um, concerning any of these things that we're talking about. Okay, one of the greatest frustrations that I have had with uh, with Amer- Americans, particularly, it's um, it's the the feeling that they know better. Uh, I think most Americans are are relatively well educated, well read, uh, particularly those that engage in missions, and because they are relatively well educated and well uh, relatively well read. They feel justified that they know enough to um, to be in a higher position to know better than everybody else, and so they always feel like the position they have is an informed position. Therefore, everybody needs to fall in line behind them, and um, and and that does not necessarily uh, translate in uh, in in various in various cultures, uh, because again, as I've said, that you've been brought up in a culture where. Um, you are trained to be independent thinkers. In my culture, we are trained to obey what we are told. Uh, and so without asking questions, here you are, you are trained to constantly ask questions and interrogate everything. So, um, so because of those, those differences, you, you find that when people come on the ground, uh, a lot of the time they, they already have a track they want to run on and they want to stick with that without... Uh, considering uh, the cultural differences, the dynamics on the ground, and and just the you know the seasons that that uh, that people may be in, and even the level of exposure. That's good. That's good. What would you say? I feel like there are a lot of Americans who are hesitant to work with local leaders um, because we want control, because we think we know best. Um, I think I feel like there's a there are a myriad of other possibilities and answers with that. Um, there is a stereotype of there's corruption. You could be doing things the other 51 weeks of the year when I'm not there that I don't know about. So kind of speak to that, like building trust both ways. Like we need to admit that we're not always right. We don't have all the answers. But what are what are some of your experiences, um, and how would you encourage someone who was a little hesitant to work with locals. Uh, I think first, the first most important thing is to develop relationship. Um, Jesus uh, spent three and a half years with his disciples before he let them lose, and he's, he's God. <laughs> if he could do that, then really what we need to uh, consider is spending time with one another. I think one of the greatest uh, mistakes or, or uh, pitfalls that uh, our brothers uh, from the West and particularly America as as uh, as fallen into is uh, this notion that um, you throw you can throw money at everything and money will make things better. Money is never necessarily the answer to every challenge. Sometimes it's just the discipline of of time management or 
or having to wade through um, certain cultural um, uh, misunderstanding to be able to rise above all that. But in ways to understand that this person might not have a capacity to handle this kind of resource, um, one of the ways that, that uh, you'll be able, to, uh, be able to understand that if you actually spend time with them, um, so do, uh, not, do not be in a rush to, uh, to, uh, to make things happen. I think that's the other pitfall that, um, that our brothers from uh, the U.S. Are f uh, find themselves in because you live in a culture where things are, everything is on timeline and everything has to, and you have a, a finish, uh, a start and a finish date. The faster, the better. Yes. And, um, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of parts of the world do not work like America. Uh, sometimes uh, in, in Africa, a journey that could take you half an hour can take you three hours. And that's okay. And so those dynamics are things that, that have to be put into consideration. Because if you just show up and you say, I want to do this um, in, 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 uh, in six months, a lot of the time people will say yes. They'll say yes because we had, we've been trained to say yes to everything uh, and not interrogate, not to challenge. And then... Um, uh, just just to please. And then it might actually not take six months. It will take maybe six years to do. So the person who, who, is, who, is, uh, who is expecting it to happen in six months will be highly frustrated. Um, and the person who, um, who is in his mind is expecting it to take six years. And, uh, um, and uh, in his mind is expecting, expecting the same project to take six years. Uh, he might not necessarily feel frustrated uh, as opposed to the, mm -hmm. the, the person who is, who is expecting the project to end very quickly. Hakuna Matata. Uh, say Hakuna Matata. No hurry in Africa. So those, those are things that uh, at the end of the day, people feel that they are cheated uh, because they've put in time, they've put in resources, um, um, and they were expecting that, you know, that, that person's word was as good as uh, a check in the bank. And so those, all those dynamics must be put into consideration. Um, I, I think um, our brothers in the in the West needs to take a step back and uh, and understand that the, uh, the American way might not necessarily be the best way, um, and that and that we're we, back to that theme again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I think God's given you a, an interesting perspective because you have spent a lot of time in America. You spent time in England. Do you see that maybe you have a role to help your Kenyan brothers and sisters be more, um, not accommodating for us, but be more willing to work with us and be honest, develop that trust and, and spend time in those relationships? Yes. Um, I, I feel that uh, f to a great extent, God has, has uh, put me in a place where I can, um, I can mentor more people. I allow them to understand that it's okay to to say no to to things and uh and to and to ideas and that you will not necessarily lose a friendship in fact i would probably say that most americans when people tell them no they they, they the people have told them no they gain a lot of respect for those people uh but in our mind usually when uh we are we are saying yes we are saying no we are saying yes because we don't want to lose the partnership of favor uh and so and so I have learned to to train, particularly with uh, the pastors' circles that we engaged with. We we are we are mentoring them and we are training them to understand um, that um, if you just share what's in your heart without um, without a fear of losing favor or or support, 
that at the end of the day you have you have not only helped yourself but you've helped that the other person to manage expectations. It's so good. I I honestly don't hear a lot of this kind of conversation. I feel like maybe Americans are afraid or don't want to hear that we think we're always right or things that you're saying. And then I I feel like even on the the other side of the coin, I love just having this transparent like we're family. We're not going anywhere. Let's push record, have a conversation that we would have anyway, and hopefully other people can benefit from from both of our perspectives. So thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to say just uh, to wrap it up or have we have we covered everything? Uh, I'd love to say that as scripture says in Proverbs 27, 17 is uh, one more favorite verses that as an iron sharpens an iron, so does a brother and a sister sharpen one another. Do not be tired of doing good because in good time you will receive your reward. Yeah, and as scripture again says in the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, it says that let your light shine through your good works so that your Father in heaven may be glorified. I I don't think we can end in any better way than that. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Check out our show notes at 127worldwide.org forward slash simply 127 podcast. And tune in next time to learn how others tangibly live out James 127 every day. 